Hello, folks. Welcome to Courtside Wellness. I'm your host, Brandon St. Croix, former athlete and current social worker. On today's episode, prioritizing medals over wellness, we will look at the recent Olympics, the Russian figure skating scandal, abusive coaches across North America, as well as what changes are necessary to happen in the community. Some of the information we may be talking about may be disturbing to other individuals due to topics such as mental health, sexual abuse, and physical abuse. Thank you. Enjoy. And folks, we're back. So on this episode of Corso Wellness, we're going to talk about coaching. Oftentimes when we think about mental health, we think about stress, we think about pressures. How much do we really talk about coaching? And I think the recent Olympics in Beijing really highlighted a lot. I heard one thing in the last couple of days, and it was around medals were prioritized more than health and well-being. And when I thought about that, it was sickening. And I'll be honest, I want to thank the listeners for this topic. We had a listener of ours who reached out to the page and said they wanted to hear more about this topic. And I thought, you know what, this is a great topic to focus on. Because when you think about a coach, what does a coach stand for? A coach is someone that oftentimes sees athletes, especially young elite athletes, more than their own family. They play a parental figure. They're there for support. They're there for guidance. They're supposed to be someone you can trust. Someone that there's a mutual respect. But sometimes that line gets crossed over. Sometimes it turns into bereavement. Verbal abuse, physical abuse, sexual abuse. Sadly, some coaches use this power in ways that is unethical. Ways that should never have even been thought about, forget about, happened. Sadly, I feel that the recent Olympics showcased that in some ways. We're looking at the Russian Olympics figure skating team. There's been a lot of news come out around uh, Tute Brise, which was the female coach with the Russian team, who was seen after uh, the final free skate, braid one of our athletes and talk about how she let the team down, she didn't perform how she was supposed to, made comments of, why did you let it go? Why did you stop fighting? Again, this is a 15-year-old skater. I understand, elite athlete, yes. But again, there's so many under- underlying layers to this as well. We can go back through history to see in the Russian figure skating, numerous athletes have come out and talked about retiring due to injury or eating disorders. An athlete's career being finished by under 18, 19 years old in their sport. 18 or 19 years old. Let's just think about that for a second. Most sports athletes are just beginning their career in some ways. I understand, yes, athletes are started their career well before it turns professional in major junior leagues, in university leagues, but in terms of retiring from your sport at the age of 18 or 19. We had the silver medalist from Russia who came out and said, I hate this sport. Again, to hate a sport that you've poured so much passion to because of the treatment of a coaching staff. That just screams abuse to me. As we think about what the sport represent, it's supposed to be around fun. It's supposed to be around, you know, 
pushing yourself, yes, in a way that become a better athlete, but not to the point where you're going to hate the sport. And sadly, I feel this happens well too often. Coaches look at it and say, well, you know what? We need to push an athlete in order for them to become better. They need to perform. They need to train. They need to follow this, and sport has to be everything. That's not the way it should be. More examples from the Russian figure skating team is around how we had athletes who were tested for doping. Again, 15 years old. It's very hard for me to believe that we had a 15-year-old who actively made the choice to dope. It's very disheartening to see a 15-year-old be berated. A list of injuries that athletes have experienced from former students of Tute Bariza, who's gone off to compete in other countries because of the treatment that they've had. It speaks, again, to the messages of medals were prioritized over their well-being. And we wouldn't be courtside wellness if we didn't talk about it. Athletes have been hospitalized for eating disorders, anorexia. Athletes have been carried off the ice after fracturing hips. And what does that mean in terms of the aftercare? Is there support afterwards? There's been information around uh, doping in terms of using chemicals to find loopholes in the system. There's been athletes who said, you know what, I can't take this no more. The 12-hour training days, the demands on the body, the demands on you know what you're eating, when you're eating. This is not what sport is supposed to represent. So it makes me wonder sometimes what needs to change. And again, the only way I feel change is going to happen is one, yes, talking about it. But two, there has to be action. And what action could that be? We have to have a better idea of what our coaches are working with. And don't get me wrong, I'm not trying to say that this is only happening in Russia. Because I'm well aware that it's not. We can go back to our time in history and look at, you know, in recent history, 2018, University of Maryland football coach, DJ Durkin. In terms of treatment of his players, in terms of humiliation, verbal abuse, intimidation, the ways he ran his practices were not ethically for any athlete, no matter what the level is. In terms of the severity of heat, in terms of the drills, the practices, I understand wanting to push your athletes. But also, we have to remember these athletes are human at the end of the day. They're humans first. The more we push our athletes, the more we're going to push them away from sport. UK swimmer uh, Karen Leach talked about her experience as a swimmer with Olympic coach Dario Rourke around the physical abuse, the sexual abuse, and the experiences that she had as an athlete. She talks about how it impacted her years later in her life. And that's one thing we often don't talk about. How, at the time, athletes are impacted due to their performance or how they're handling the stress. But these impacts long last an athlete's career. And then here in Canada alone, Sheldon Kennedy and Theo Fleury spoke out around their former uh, junior coach, Graham James, around sexual abuse. Athletes have such a power. And in terms of the power differential and how that impacts young athletes, a young and elite athlete is often looking. How do I make it to the next level? What needs to happen? How can I perform? How can I get more playing time? What needs to happen? Coaches are the biggest role model for young athletes. They have such a control of what happens. Athletes look up and say, okay, I'm going to follow through. And oftentimes we promote or celebrate these coaches. You think of some of the greatest coaches of all time. Ray Archibald, the Boston Celtics, Mike Babcock. It can be stretched over every sport where we talk about great coaches. And again, even going back to the figure skating world, 
the International Skating Union highlighted the Russian female figure skating coach as their 2020 best coach. In a video, Athlete spoke about how she was very demanding. She wanted to show good results. She displayed her love of the sport, figure skating, and she set the goal herself. But now once in a two-minute clip, did athletes talk about the rapport, the trust, the respect, how nurturing the coach was. Which, looking back, I'm sure there were some red flags. But how often do these get looked into? We got young athletes, their minds are developing, their bodies are developing, and we're putting them through mental, emotional, and physical stress. I often wonder what needs to happen. In a statement after the Olympics, the Russian figure skating coaches came out in a statement and stated, Everyone knows that in elite sports, the coaching toughness is key to a student's success. But really, at what level does success matter? And when does wellness and well-being matter? It's a struggle because we want to see athletes run faster, jump higher, do better. But at what cost? Is it worth an athlete's mental health, their physical health, their emotional health? So I want to take this time today so we can talk about that. We can talk about what can be done, what needs to change, what conversation needs to happen. Because we know, the studies have show 50% of athletes suffer from a mental health concern at some point in their life, such as anxiety and depression. We see that athletes show an increased rate of emotional abuse. We see that across sports such as diving, football, gymnastics, hockey, netball, track and field. So what are some of those signs? It's the deliberate, prolonged, and repetitive behavior that occurs in an unbalanced relationship of power, such as a coach and an athlete. This can be through, like I said, the belittling, the scapegoating, the threatening, the isolation. That can be in many forms too, the isolation. When we think about it, when an athlete gets hurt, they're removed from their team, they're oftentimes removed from practice. You know, how often is the coach checking in? How often after an athlete is caught? Is the team or teammates or coach or organization checking in? Does it ever happen at all? Is there a role for a coach after an athlete's career is over? We often talk about it in the social world around aftercare. To ensure a person is still maintaining a positive lifestyle and positive well-being. But is that converted into the sport world? And could it be? Some coaches may be abusive through other means. Again, we've talked about it in terms of physical abuse, in terms of sexual abuse with athletes in the past as well. So why do athletes even accept it? It comes down to wanting to make the next level. It comes down to, oh, it's part of the culture. It comes down to, it's the norm. We feel these ideas of, and we promote it in movies. How often do we see movies where coaches are you know, flipping over tables or snapping clipboards, or threatening and saying, if you do not perform this task, I will use any means possible to motivate you, even if that means physical, such as hitting, kicking, slapping. And yet, we glorify it. Something needs to change. So what are some of those things that can change? What are some of those ways that coaches can be supportive? 
is understanding limits. Oftentimes, coaches talk about, okay, what's an athlete's strengths? Okay, well, they can run 40-meter dash. They can shoot 50% from the three-point line. They can take a slap shot at 94 kilometers an hour. They can throw a fastball better than 90% of the athletes. Be it, when do we ever sit down with athletes and say, what's your limits? How far can we push you? Is that ever a conversation? Or do we try to just push those limits? How often is self-care talked about? And what is self-care? Because sometimes we think, okay, well, sports is exercise. Exercise is healthy. But is that taken too far? Is there ways we can implement self-care that's outside of sport? One example that comes to mind, Toronto Raptors coach, Nick Nurse, often brought his guitar aboard playing with them when he traveled for role games. Ways of separating ourselves away from sport to give ourselves a break, mentally, emotionally, and physically. How often do we take care of an athlete's needs? How often is it that we're checking in about, okay, are they eating? Okay. Do they have appropriate shelter? Do they have their basic needs being met? Is there people just checking in their physical and mental and emotional health? Or are we quick to just, okay, here's the drills, here's the practice. So I think we need to kind of get back to the basics as well. We need to develop an environment that's destigmatizing. We need to talk about it more. If you have a coach that talks more around mental health, emotional health, then it makes it easier for athletes to talk about their own experience. But if it's not talked about, an athlete doesn't know if they're allowed to or not, or how a coach is going to respond. So I believe it, coaches have a responsibility to speak first. Understanding about age and developmental appropriateness. Again, I go back to the example we gave at the beginning of this episode. We have 15-year-olds who are doping. We have 15-year-olds who are being trained 12 hours a day. We have athletes 15 years old who are being berated. Let's just think about that for a second. 15 years old, grade 10. And, and we also know if this athlete is at the Olympics at age of 15, this is not her first year in competitive and elite training. We know this has been ongoing for two, maybe three years. So again, it comes down to communication. It comes down to education. It comes down to social change. I also want to turn the table and think about, we know this is not every athlete, every coach, every organization. We know that there are some great coaches out there who promote mental health, who promote holistic wellness, who promote self-care. And I applaud and thank those coaches. They're a great example of what sports should be, of what coaching should be, of what the responsibility of this role is. Such as Dwayne Casey from the Detroit Pistons, who's talked about bringing on a psychotherapist for the team and how important it is to talk about mental health. Another great example is Ohio State's football head coach, Ron Day, and how he normalized mental health and how he talked about his own personal experience with his father and looking back on how he can understand now that there was mental health concerns. And how he says, you know what, the only way to kind of talk about this is normalize it. And I think that's great to see coaches also, you know, having that conversation. No different than we would talk about a drill or a play or a practice or a game. It makes no difference. And I think that's the point of courtside wellness. 
it's to have those important conversations on the side of a court, on the side of a gym, on the side of a field, a track, a swimming pool, a hockey rink. We need to have these conversations in sport. As we finish up this episode, I want us to take time to reflect. What are some areas where we can take time to make change, no matter what our role is, as an athlete, a coach, a fan, a bystander, a parent? I think we all have a role. I think it comes down to, if we see it, we need to call it out. If we see a coach who's abusing their power and their responsibility and a role as a coach, we have a role to step in to educate. And yeah, we might get some backlash. We might get a coach who gets upset. We might get an organization who gets upset. But by standing back, we're going to have an athlete who comes very unwell. And that's what I want us to think about. So I want to thank everybody for checking in on today's episode. We're going to have a special guest again next week. I also want to thank people who wrote into the show, comments, and shared it. So feel free to share the podcast with people you know. Give us a like and a follow on our social media at Wellness Athletic Services on Facebook and Instagram. Or send us an email at wellnessathleticservices at gmail.com. You can find our podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Audible, and Podbean. So folks, thank you and stay well. Mm-hmm.